Hello and welcome to episode 3 of Peripod. This episode I talk to Megan Gidney. She's an English international table tennis athlete, a published model, vegan and all-round great person. We chat about lockdown, her modelling career, but the main focal point in this podcast is that Megan battles with mental health and an eating disorder while still remaining a top young athlete. Right, thank you. Um, no so yeah, so thanks for agreeing to be on on the podcast. I hope this is recording because I'm I'm trying a new platform every time that I record it to just see what works yeah, best. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, so how are you? I'm good, thanks. How are you? Yeah, I've seen you in ages. I know it has been so long. It has been. It feels like forever. Um, yeah. So yeah, so I just I thought every time I put. Obviously, I've done two episodes now. Every time I put an episode out, when I text friends and family and, and the listeners or whatever, I encourage them to send me feedback and ask for mm-hmm. topics that they want to hear about. Um, yeah. And without giving too much away, I thought you would be a great person to to ask to be on the pod and, and talk about, about your your life and, and your sort of story as it was. Um but first of all, as I said, what you know, how 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 are you? How's lockdown? How's how's everything? It's good. It's been like honestly, like probably the biggest test, like for my mental health and stuff. Just um, yeah, it's just I, I, at the start I loved it. I was like, oh, it feels like I'm holiday. But then like, I think I think probably kind of the same as everyone. You just your anxiety starts to kick in, and like I'm that kind of person. I think as well when you come from being like a passive in athlete as well probably the same for you you just kind of go crazy a little bit because you're so used to being busy and being active and yeah like at the start we weren't allowed to go out and it was just you just feel like you kind of lose your purpose a little bit don't you and you just kind of have to yeah and like I never spent time like being alone myself and like with my own thoughts I'd always keep stay busy to try and like push him away quite a lot so that was like difficult but um yeah it was good I had to get um uh, yeah, I got a, I saw a psychologist during lockdown because it did get quite difficult for me. But he really helped me like find like ways to kind of like just manage my stress and just manage things. And he just tried to help me like move on with my life and stuff. So yeah, it's been really good. I think if it wasn't for lockdown, I definitely wouldn't be in the place that I am like now or kind of on the road to like, like a better place. It mm-hmm. made me realise that I kind of had to sort myself out quite a bit. So. Yeah, it was good. How about for you? How was it? It's been good. It's been, yeah, it's had its ups and downs, obviously. As you said, it can be difficult um, in lockdown, especially as an athlete. You know, you said we're always, we're always used to being on the road and being busy and training every day with our friends, teammates, whatever, and constantly, like, just through being an athlete and playing sport, you're constantly socialising. And then now now, now we can't do that, that that face-to-face sort of thing. And okay, it's good that we've got things like this, like Zoom and and stuff that you can chat to folk and FaceTime and all that, but it's it's not the same, is it? Like it's just it's not even that like physical contact, isn't it? And yeah, yeah, it's just it's weird. Yeah, it's really weird. Everyone's so like kind of even now, like I just feel like people are scared to hug, people are scared to kind of you know what I mean, like just like be around each other, and it's it's proper like I don't know, it's weird, but mm. it is what it is. It's what it is. <laughs> I yeah, love that, I love that is, scene. I love that scene. Um, so just just to give a bit of context to to folk that are listening, um, so you are you're a table tennis player. That's how we know each other. 
Um, but you're not you're not just a table tennis player. You're you're a model as well, aren't you? You've done some some modelling work yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah, I've done quite a bit of modelling. Yeah, Brilliant. that was fun. So it's got its ups and downs, but yeah. Mm. And um, one of the, one of the things that I I want to talk about on on this episode, if you're alright talking about it, is the difficulties that you've faced around eating and uh, that whole journey for you. And if by yeah. all means, if you don't want to talk about anything, just 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 don't don't yeah. don't answer it or whatever um or just you know you can we can always edit stuff out if you don't want anything um yeah. put in and i think yeah. yeah yeah i think it's important to talk about it because i do think it's a topic that especially in athletes it's not talked about enough like how an eating disorder and exercise addiction and things like that can like really affect an athlete like i remember when i was really ill and still now, like, I would Google or, like, YouTube kind of, like, helps, like, oh, I'm an athlete in, with anorexia or, or and things like that, and there would be nothing. There would be, like, a couple of videos, but it's, I think it's a different, it's a different story for a normal person who's not an athlete who develops an exercise addiction and, or an eating disorder, and then you've got an athlete who their job is exercising and, and kind of, kind of look not looking a certain way but you your body has to perform like to like a certain way and it it's a complete different story I think even for the recovery of like the individual so yeah I think I think it's a good thing to talk about definitely brilliant well I'm so glad that you're you're, you're up for that and up for chatting about it and I think it's yeah. great that you said that as as an athlete you know you're you know you're supposed to have this image of that you're fit and healthy but health obviously starts from within you know and as you said you had an yeah. eating disorder um but how does that affect you more mentally you know if you we can, we can chat for for as long as we want whatever but in terms of the mental aspect of it you know an eating disorder when as you said you're supposed to appear fit and healthy and on the outside you would appear fit and yeah. healthy because you're able to run around all day playing table tennis go for a run uh-huh. go to the gym um yeah you know i've seen you in the gym smashing out weights and then but on the flip side to that, I know yeah. I know that at times you've been really struggling. So how how does that play out in your own head? I think that's what people underestimate. They think that like anorexia and eating disorders are just like it's just something that you just lose weight. It's not. It's a mental illness, and it's actually the mental illness that kills the most people like in the world. Like it's the one with the highest mortality rate because because of that because. You can have so many different types of it. You can be bulimic, so you wouldn't necessarily think that someone's got an eating disorder because with bulimia you don't lose weight. Or you can be uh, you can be anorexic where you just starve yourself. You can be anorexic and have an exercise addiction. There's so many like different kind of types of it. But um, yeah, mentally, it's honestly one of the it's one of the most horriblest illnesses. I would, I would honestly never wish it on anybody and it is something that I think you have to kind of deal with the rest of your life like not in the sense of you're always going to be kind of in a bad place I mean it's like an alcoholic like you the person's aware that you can't just go out and have a drink and like he has to always be conscious that oh like oh I can't have too many drinks because that will trigger something inside of me that will make like my addiction come back because that's what anorexia is it's like it's an addiction but it's a coping mechanism as well Mm. so like mentally it 
it's like this the, the like illness is so complicated people just think when I when you say to someone oh she's anorexic they'll just say well just eat but it's not and it's not even a fear of food it comes from when your brain gets starved you go into like um starvation mode so you buzz it your body just essentially starts to shut down so it it becomes like it you kind of in like fight or flight all the time so like your body just wants to move all the time and that's where the kind of exercise compulsion comes in and it starts to slow its metabolism down so you won't require as much food and it starts to eat its muscle away so like I, like you must you saw me when I was at my fitness or kind of close to my fitness and yeah I still look not muscly but to other people they would say I still look kind of shredded but I wasn't healthy at all like I was too lean I, I lost my period and that's still not come back now yet even now that I'm kind of on a, a good road to recovery that's going to take quite a long time to come back but mentally it's it's like it's like having a bully in your head 24 7 who's telling you don't eat this you can't do this everything that you see everything that you eat you you're conscious of how much how many calories is in that food and then what you have to do after in order to burn off that amount of food and it's like you'll feel so you'll get to a point where you can feel so drained and so like you're going to die basically and it's just kind of it is it's like surviving it's not living at all you're just surviving constantly and it's weird how you can't no matter how much you know it's bad for you and you're aware that it's killing you like I remember getting to a point it was actually training at Sheffield it was when I came back from Croatia from a training camp and I think I was actually playing with you I didn't say anything and we were doing um it was when I think you guys must have started like doing like a bit more uh, fitness and we were doing like shadow play and I remember thinking in my head we were doing like I don't know, like four and why, like just four hands or something. And I remember thinking, I'm gonna pass out or I'm gonna have a heart attack. Like I remember my, my like my chest was pounding, but I was I just thought I don't care, it doesn't matter because I'm exercising and that's what I need to do to to like burn calories because I need to stay this thin, and I don't care because it means that I'm I'm fit if I'm able to to um, to train in this way. Then imagine when I'm better, apart from that doesn't happen because you're anorexia all it wants to do is kill you but it kind of it, it's weird it, it becomes your best friend so it's all you care about so you want socialize you become very honestly like a like a dull dud like you just become a shell of a person no personality all you care about is exercising and starving yourself and it's like a game like oh how how little can I eat today and, and still train without out or like something really bad happening to me and it's really weird like the way it, it just takes over your head and it just controls you and you actually like because you because you lose your um your rational thoughts because you, you kind of your brain starved basically of like energy and stuff you can't rationalize you can't think properly um like I remember doing simple tasks like I couldn't tie my shoelaces one day same it was it was when I was going to train and I couldn't do it and I just looked to my feet and I was like what's wrong with me and I, I couldn't tie my shoelaces but it was just because my brain like would get really confused over like simple mm. things but it was weird like, I couldn't do that but then if it asked me to go on a treadmill and like go health level 30 minutes like I could do that fine but it was just 
it's just like silly things like that but yeah so it, it's it affects it affects you a lot mentally like it is a mental illness but it's it it kind of it eats you inside out I don't really know how to explain it but it's like a bully who's like gradually and gradually taking everything it's got to just kind of kind of kill you a little bit wow that's, yeah. that's incredible and and of course I mean we, we'll, we'll come back to it and stuff but I, I want to talk about as I said a little bit about obviously your your entire story and journey and I remember the first time the first time we met was in Sheffield uh where yeah. where the the para squad trains and um so I, I had no idea who you were one of the coaches had said oh uh we've got a junior I think you were a, you were a junior at the time or last yeah last year yeah, junior or something like yeah. that you were kind of on the cusp of yeah. going into seniors or whatever and um oh one of the junior girls are coming in uh, sparring partner really good player we were all like yep cool no worries and then I think you you walked in on the phone you were on the phone and you're like rounding off fluent French, and I was like, bloody! Hell. Oh, yeah, I, remember. I was like, we've got we've got a French player in. She, like this, this is amazing. Like what's going on here? Yeah. And then you you like took your rucksack off and you had an England tracksuit on. I'm sitting going, hold on a minute. Like, that's what's, not right. like what? <laughs> she's just rocked in like mouthing off fluent French, and then sat down yeah. and and got this England tracksuit on, and then you said hello yeah. in this like perfect English accent. I was like, I'm I'm missing something here. So um. <laughs> Yeah. Can you explain that that story behind yeah. that? Yeah. <laughs> so basically, um, I was born in England, and then from the age of I was about eighteen months, we decided to move to France. Just my parents got bored, basically, of England. it of England, and we were living in like quite a dodgy part of Bolton, so they didn't really want uh, me and my sister to grow up there. So my sister was about I think three or four at the time. So we moved to France, and yeah that's kind of like where it started I went to primary school there went to secondary school like all perfect I really loved it like it was honestly like I still look at it now and think that like was the happiest part of my life but like I just it was really lovely and then um we decided to move back in 2018 so I was I was I was 16 there so we decided to move there, just uh, move back to England because of like work and my sister got um, um, ill. So we had to kind of, they didn't have the right treatment for her there um, in France. So we had to move back. Um, but yeah, I kind of like, I kind of kept my French. My parents would always speak to me in English when we were in France so that I wouldn't lose my English. Um, but when I got to England, I had to kind of step up a little bit because I'd only... Um, than like French education so I didn't really know I could speak English but I my writing was absolutely awful and it's still not the best now and I couldn't like read English or anything um without sounding like a three-year-old who just like learned how to read um so, so yeah and then when I was I started playing table tennis in France when I was about I want to say I was 10 um and straight away I remember my first club um, getting there straight away they picked up on me because I was a girl and in France the sport's like massive it's so much bigger than in England like you can go to any like little little town and they'll have a club where there's at least like five decent players like, they can they'll be like middle-aged men but they can just play table tennis for some reason it's quite cool but I remember my coach picking up on me because I was a lefty and I was a girl and I like started beating the boys and he liked my kind of my attitude because I, I just didn't really care that much I was just yeah I was happy to 
to sweat quite a lot and to like work hard and I didn't yeah I just didn't really care so he picked up on me straight away and then um just started doing quite a lot of one-to-ones with me and um I used to come with my dad every Friday and I remember my, my dad always used to beat me we used to do a match at the end of uh, each session and I always used to cry because he used to beat me and uh it makes me laugh now because he's like <laughs> such a beginner now but <laughs> yeah um and then when I was about 14 um I moved into secondary school and I moved into um a French kind of kind of like what Grantham is now but it was a French kind of county academy so they'd have like five or six around the whole of France and it's kind of the best of that area who were there and um I I did really well as a cadet I got into the top five in French girls which is quite good considering in Europe they're like some of the best players um and I improved a lot like really quickly um I lived away from home so I moved away from home when I was about think yeah probably about 13 to go there so I've been used to like being away from home since I was really young um and then uh I was in a doing a four-star in France and I remember qualifying for the national championships and then after they sent me a message an email saying you can't um do the French championships and my coach started and oh that's unfair why not and I said well I've, I've only got an English passport I don't have a French passport and he didn't know that he thought I had a, a dual nationality so that's kind of when it started like where I started getting um into kind of the English circuit so then he just my coach just said right then we're gonna have to see what English table tennis is like and I remember my first competition it was junior British league and I remember just getting there and absolutely like pooping my pants because I didn't know anybody. <laughs> everybody looked at me weird because everybody knew that there was a French girl on, on a team and then nobody spoke to me. Everybody just gave me like really dirty looks like but it was just it was good and then um, once people like understood that I could actually speak the language after like saying hello to me like I was an alien. It was quite funny. <laughs> None of them thought I could speak I could speak English, so I kind of played on it a little bit like trying to not understand them quite funny and then I'd just like speak with an English accent and I'd realise that I was English but um yeah and then I think it was a so then I did a few like four stars in England and I qualified for nationals and that's when I think Alan Cook was there in one of the cadet nationals and that's where he kind of picked up on me um and I did well at that nationals I think I came runner-up in cadets and juniors can't remember yeah and um, yeah, I think from there I got selected to go to Europeans, which I don't think quite a lot of the girls were very happy about that because they still thought I was French and they didn't really I understand though now, like looking back at it, like I kind of played a couple of tournaments and then got selected. And I think some of them were in the circuit for quite a while. So I do understand why there was quite a bit of um, backlash on that. But yeah, and then, since then I've just been in the England team and it, a lot easier now that we moved back to England because um, I'd have to like travel back to England when we'd go abroad and then travel with the English squad to a different country so I'd be paying for like two flights every time when we still live in France so yeah that was a positive about moving back so yeah that's basically kind of like how it started yeah and I guess it must it must help the relationship with the girls in the team the fact that you know now you're actually based in England and you know you get to see them a lot more you get to train with them a lot more and you 
build up that relationship as opposed to as you said when you first rocked up and pretty much straight into the squad and they're like oh on this french girl is just in the squad she's you know she, she's not she's not one of us but actually you are you are one of us yeah. you're you're english and and obviously it must be much much easier in that team dynamic where now you can actually mm-hmm. you know train with the girls whenever you want pretty yeah. much and 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 build that relationship so that must be that must be amazing but yeah. um so what what is your do you, do you remember the first time that you you maybe had a thought in your head um with regards to the the anorexia and stuff and and, and the mental health and do you remember that like the earliest time mm-hmm. where you thought oh hold on a minute maybe something's not quite right here because i know you talked yeah. about it being a bully and obviously you know that we, we've all encountered some form of bully in our life everyone's had a bully mm-hmm. um and and the thing is a bully always tries to keep you down and you know you might not even know that you're getting bullied you just think that's no. that's the way it is that's life you know um, yeah so do you remember an earliest point or whatever where you go hold on something's not right or a point in your life where you thought i need to stand up to this bully uh-huh. um it's not now that i look back at it it did start really early, early on because like i said we moved back to england because my sister was ill but she was ill with anorexia so that's why we moved back because in france they didn't they didn't diagnose it properly um so it's kind of ruined the family um because my mum as well when she was a dancer in the past um she suffered from bulimia so they do say it runs in in your genes so like anorexia apparently when you you know like loads of people can go on like diet plans and stuff but only but it's kind of weird like some people can go on diet plans and then think oh F it, I'm done with this. I don't like. I've lost weight, but I'm starving. I just need food. And some other people can actually get into that calorie deficit, and then their brain will just click, and it's like, oh, I've got an eating disorder now. Like, like this is bad. Like, I can't control it anymore. So um, you don't even realize but, um, it's happening. It just takes. Yeah, control. you just start to. It just starts to manipulate you in like so many different ways. But now that I think from where it for me, it definitely came from a performance um, aspect. So me trying to lose weight was a way of me thinking oh I'm going to be quicker because like you must have seen like I'm not the most naturally gifted like footwork wise like I've had to work like really hard to even just get to a point where like normal people would be able to do like 3.4 and like with their eyes closed for me it took me so long to just get my feet to move like that and like I'm just I've just got no explosive power like naturally at all and um it was when I moved to the structure in France that my old coach who had me before said, oh, Megan, you'd, you'd see me like six months after I'd been in that structure. And he said, oh, Meg, you've put on, like, you've put on a bit of weight. But saying that, I was 14. Like, I was just going through puberty now that I think of it. But, and he was like, be careful, be careful. But I think it must have come from a good place. Like, he just didn't want me to become, like, overweight. He wanted me to stay athletic because I've always, like, had quite an athletic build. Um... So I was aware of it then. I've, I'd always been like, all right, I need to just make sure I'm going to the gym more. But it was never in like a disordered place. I didn't try to restrict what, I'd, what I would eat because when I was about 15, we turned vegan as well. So I'd always just think, oh, this is great. Like, I, like I'm eating healthy food. I can literally eat like whatever I want. Like this is really good. So that wasn't in a, in a disordered place. But it was when I got to England and the first structure I went to was Aqua. And I'm not dissing Ackworth at all, like, it's an amazing structure, but it's just for me personally. Um, we were at a coaching 
session, a training session, I was doing multi-ball and I just remember one of the coaches saying to me, um, Megan, have you weighed yourself? And I just looked at him and I was like, no, why? And he just said, like, he just looked at me like in like disgust and uh, it was just really weird. He just kind of said, I think you need to like weigh yourself and just in a way like you've put on weight and that's kind of when it clicked in because my sister was anorexic at that point so the whole kind of relationship around food was amplified with that because she was trying to get better and then someone told me that I was needed to lose weight so then it just everything just became a bit more of an issue and then um, because we were training loads I just remember thinking right what's the best way I can do I can do this um I was like right put down on what I'm eating I'm, I'm obviously eating too much because I was vegan and when you're vegan you need to eat like twice as much as everyone else because you're eating like so clean foods I just thought I was eating too much so I just thought right I'll, I'll cut down on what I'm eating like after training so I did and I started to lose a little bit of weight and then the coaches were like oh you're really good you're, you're looking good and even my parents were like oh you're you must be training well like you're looking well and I just said to them yeah yeah I'm just I'm just like watching a little bit what I eat but it wasn't I didn't kind of really tell them I just said yeah I'm just eating more of like more carbs I'm eating more protein like just trying to act like it was normal and I had it all under control and at that point to be honest I thought I did as well but it just became like it just became like completely I just became addicted to it so fast because by that point I'd lost a little bit of weight and because I was at the same time as I was trying to lose weight I was work, working on my speed trying to get my speed up training wise so I thought them two um, things were linked so as I was losing weight I was getting faster so I thought the more weight I lose the faster I'm going to get the more the quicker I'm going to get the better I'm going to be because everyone says I'm slow like I just thought it was like the perfect kind of match so that's when it kind of started but as soon as I went into calorie deficit so when you your body doesn't have enough energy to to kind of like function normally so a lot of bodybuilders do it but as soon as my brain went into that it just went into a complete like like it just went into anorexia basically so it was like a click that happened in my brain and that's the difference between people who like diet and people who have eating disorders everything they're both disordered kind of ways of eating but that's what kind of makes the difference is that when you've got anorexia you you've got someone that's controlling what you do in your head and when you dieting people usually kind of just like come off the diet and they're like oh right I tried it didn't work I'm just gonna eat and it doesn't actually physically bother them but with anorexia it's like I can't get out of it like I'm, I'm stuck I can't I need to keep starving myself now there's nowhere I can get out of it so that's kind of what happened so it was it was when I started going to aqua that it definitely like kicked in for me mm-hmm. when I was about 15. Yeah do you, do you think that this, you know, as you, you've said it a few times, and I'm going to stick to the term because I really, I really like it, the way you phrase it, this bully in your head, do you think this bully was, like, pulling the wool over your eyes in the sense that you were seeing the results you wanted by, you know, you 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 made a choice, a conscious choice to, you wanted to lose a little bit of weight because you wanted to try and get faster around the table, and you said, you know, you started to see those results, 
do you think that was when obviously so this bully is just sort of pulling the wool over your eyes so you're seeing the results yeah. you want to see but you're not actually seeing the detrimental effect that it's having for you to get those yeah. results definitely and it still does it now I'm like it like that's what it does it will make you believe anything that it wants so that it can it all it wants to do the main like the main like goal of anorexia is to kill you so it will do anything to try and kill you so it can make you believe that going on a one hour run on a wet on a rest day is beneficial to you it can make you think oh yeah but it, it might be good because it, it means that I'll get rid of the lactic acid in my legs and it means that I'm doing more to everyone else like even if you know that, that it's wrong it can make you believe that it's right and it can make you feel guilty for not for doing the right thing so let's say this morning even now it still gets me quite a lot this morning I had to like I, I've got like a meal plan now that I have to follow um this morning like I put the same amount of porridge as I do every morning but for some reason this morning it made me believe that I wasn't allowed to have that for no particular reason so it took me 10 minutes longer to actually physically put it in because I was too busy battling with my head I was saying it out loud it must have sounded so silly to like my stepdad in my my stepsister I was like no come on you can do it it's fine you know it's just it's it's just playing with your head but it's it's that kind of control that it has over you so like you say it does it completely it just like blindfolds you to what's actually happening it, it just makes you believe and it kind of it's weird it's like it hypnotizes you almost and it can like make you believe anything and that what it's doing is completely right and even if you know it's wrong it can make you just think that what what the right decision is is the wrong decision if that makes sense yeah. and it doesn't but... yeah, that, that, no that to me that definitely makes sense um and and actually looking back on when we've trained together you know, I used to think that you were just super keen on training. Like you, ju you just wanted to train. Mm -hmm. Like because we we would train yeah. together, and then and then you'd be like, right, when are we going to the gym? And I'm like, bloody hell, give us yeah. a rest. You know, we need to go get some lunch and then go to the gym. But you were like, no, like yeah. like when when are we in the gym? Mm -hmm. And um, it's never like noticed as well that every exercise we got to pick, I would always do a footwork. Which is which for for people that don't really know table tennis. People usually nice, like would pick a nice, easy exercise, and you would yeah, always like pick something feet. like super, not necessarily super complicated, but just super hard work that you would really push, 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 yeah. push, push. And mm -hmm. um, and again, that that shows off the you know for an outsider looking in, someone that's not inside your head, you know that just looks like oh you're just really keen, you want to work really hard, and yeah, exactly. and it's actually there must have been days, and there will still be days where you're actually like you'll be doing that and pushing yourself and pushing yourself and pushing yourself but you just don't want to yeah and that's the problem as well because like you say from an outsider's point of view like until they the coaches were good like greg and matt they, they realized there's something wrong i remember them ringing my parents but it did take a while and even until marcus the um um women's coach he realized people just used to think look at that that's hard work that's work ethic you all should like be more like Megan you all should work like Megan is and I was in my head I was thinking Megan's messed up like honestly guys yeah, like please, please don't this be isn't like in me. a healthy yeah. yeah I was like it's not in a healthy place like but and that's the thing with, with, with mental it's health it's, it's such an easy one to mask isn't it you know and there, there's mm -hmm. so many different forms of mental health you know if you look on uh, on on my phone here I'm scrolling through your Instagram 
and you are such a happy person on social media you know you've you've got great captions great photos and obviously you do you do your modeling and in your modeling you know you've got these great shots that are professionally taken and and, and you look uh-huh. amazing and and is that something again that helps mask what's going on you know because yeah. it, again you're seeing the results of I'm a I'm an international table tennis athlete I'm a I'm a model I'm you know I'm doing this and you can easily post a picture with a nice happy cheery caption and a smile and it looks great yeah. but actually that's 10 million miles away from the reality that's going on how do, yeah. how does that link in like being being a model and obviously I mean we you know there's you know modeling is somewhat notorious for eating disorders and and, and things like that but how does that tie into you know as you said everyone's like oh you should be like Megan but you're mm-hmm. like you, you don't want to be like Megan you know what's how does that work yeah so like there's a few pictures I don't know if you like scroll down there's a few pictures where I've got like I've got like a sports bra on when I've done like shoots and I remember um taking them pictures and thinking I don't look thin enough for people to think that I'm ill which is a really stupid way to think and I remember taking them pictures and thinking oh in my head I look thinner than that that's that's not good so it would have like a negative effect or sometimes I would post a picture that um like a brand would like make me post and stuff like that and I to put something really happy when I was feeling like like probably at my lowest or um doing like a I don't know, like a brand with a, um, sorry, a deal with the bikini brand or something like that. And I would post pictures and all I would want was for people to, someone to just say, like, what's, like, what's wrong? Like, why have you lost so much weight? Like, I swear, like a year ago, you, you, were, you still looked fine, but you weren't that thin. But, and that's, it was almost like a cry for help sometimes. It's, you just want someone to see, to, to kind of like see that you're not in a good place, but then, like I would post a picture and like that would have my parents saying you look too thin like your face looks emaciated but then I would have my friends saying wow you look amazing like that's a really nice like picture or that's a really nice like who did the photo shoot like it's amazing like things like that but and it just used to make me think oh I mustn't be ill enough yet and that's again a disordered like that's my eating disorder talking saying you're not ill enough people to know so you're failing at even being anorexic you, you're even failing at like trying to starve yourself because people aren't noticing like that you're ill or that something's wrong and yeah I think especially like when I was at my lowest when I would have to post pictures like I in my head I was like I can see that like I look emaciated and stuff like that and even like it came to the point I remember once doing a photo shoot and the person having to put weight on my put like weight back on my face so like it, it I think it was a headshot I can't really remember and um they were going into my portfolio and he said we're gonna have to put like um kind of kind of fill out your cheeks a bit more because like there's a lot of um photographers that don't like models that are that thin anymore because it, like the world's changing now and things like that so I remember that and in my head it sounds awful but I remember thinking wow this is really cool. It means he thinks I'm too thin. Like this must mean I've, I've finally like reached my my goal of being disgustingly like emaciated and like you know. But almost it just like used you've to kind of like anorexia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then you only complete it when it it you're on death's door really, mm. or it's 
it's weird so yeah I think I, I don't think modeling like necessarily like triggered it but I I think the people who have eaten so I definitely wouldn't recommend it I think um I remember like there's there's been a lot of like brands that have reached out to do like um sportswear and I remember at a time where I was going through I think it was before I relapsed like my third time and I remember I, I was really bloated and put on quite a lot of like weight and I was gaining weight quite fast um and I just remember refusing like everything for quite a long time just because I didn't I didn't feel comfortable at all in my own skin and I just thought that people had this perception of me of as being like really fit and really athletic and like I wouldn't stop and had this image that I had to keep up that was just so kind of unrealistic that I just didn't want to post anything I didn't feel comfortable showing people what I looked like because I didn't I didn't feel comfortable in myself and even now like even I had to post a um um a bikini picture like last week and even I looked at that and I can literally like pick myself apart and like see every little thing that I'm not happy with or yeah but then that's just I think that's just the way I am as well I think I always look to like strive to be better so <laughs> yeah mm, and, and when you say you know like relating it back to what you said earlier you said about um the, the you know people would be like oh you're really muscly or you know you're shredded or whatever and uh-huh. and they just thought that's because you you work out a lot and you know you know you go to the gym you you do your table tennis and stuff and you're running, but what what they wouldn't understand is that actually you're so muscly, because it's just a complete lack of fat on your body because you were as, yeah. you, as you said you were your body was eating itself to to, it to was, get rid of yeah. everything to survive and I and still now like I get quite a lot of messages on Instagram and like Snapchat of like girls like teenagers saying oh like how do you do it I want to look like you and and my heart just it just breaks my heart because I just think for someone for a woman needs body fat she needs a a girl needs body fat to function like it's just it's the way it is but diet culture and social media has made us believe that like that's how we're meant to look we're we're meant to look like we're supposed to have a six-pack like any girl who's got who's got a really low body fat will not have a period and that's unhealthy but for some reason social media makes you believe that you're meant to look this way so like it's it's really sad really because it makes me I don't know it it makes me angry that I like I managed to get myself in such a state because of what people what I thought people would like to see and what coaches would like to see but that's not healthy at all it looks healthy but that's not the way your body's supposed to look it's just the way through years of diet culture and like the way the gym like the gym industry is and all of that that's the way that people say we're meant to look but it it isn't healthy at all it's not an athlete I don't know like there's so many athletes that can perform who are not who are not like necessarily absolutely like shredded and got no body fat it probably it probably will decrease their performance if anything so yeah there's just I just remember getting a lot of dms from like girls just asking me how I managed to get there like that they weren't happy with their bodies and the way they looked and all I could say to them I just said I'm vegan I know that that helped because before I got ill um it did make it changed my body composition like the way my body looked like I just I was eating healthier so 
that's a good thing but I've always I would always say to them just don't do it in a disordered way you need to eat enough food to fuel your body just maybe change what you eat and like instead of eating white pasta eat brown pasta like things like that if you want to go to the gym like lift some weights like it's really good for like um for women because they can lose like bone density and things like that so do it in a healthy way but I would never I've never advised someone to try and look the way that I even still do now or like look looked then when I was at my fitness because like from past experience like I did that in such a disordered and like like just to not I just didn't do it in a good place or in a good way that I just wouldn't wish anybody to potentially experience what I experienced so yeah it's just quite yeah it's just quite sad really when I think of it that people actually want to look like that like I get it it looks nice but it's not what it it's not what it looks like on the inside and it is on the outside yeah you weren't actually making you I mean you weren't actually making a choice to look like that you weren't choosing to to starve yourself into you know mm. to be in that position do you think do you think that being um do you think being a vegan in some way helped you mask it I'm not saying in any way shape or form oh, that yeah. veganism is, is, no, is no. the issue but by that yeah. what I mean is that you, you if you were to go out with friends or family or whatever um mm-hmm. to a restaurant or a shop was it easier to hide behind being a vegan for your excuse oh, of so not for, for your excuse of not eating you know so if we were to go yeah. out for a meal say me and you went out for a meal and I'd order whatever I wanted to order because I've got this mm-hmm. massive menu would it would it make it easier for you to go oh actually I'm only going to get this little tiny thing because the the vegan options aren't great here or something like yeah. that yeah yeah like so many times like like I would say that again like again I think veganism like people think it it's associated with eating disorders like honestly it really isn't and that's why I never I always struggle promoting my vegan diet because I, I can't really do it because of like I've had anorexia so people are just going to think they would probably get an eating disorder if they're turned vegan or they'll just lose loads of weight which isn't the case but definitely like as you say I remember being on training camps or going abroad and making us like making the others like encouraging them to go to like steak houses so that I would go with them because I knew that I wouldn't be able to eat anything Mm. so that they wouldn't force like kind of force food down me because I'd be like oh it's fine I'll just get something later like I can't eat anything here because I had to control like everything I did or I don't know if you remember once um uh when we we went to train at Nottingham once and I came back with you guys and you stopped at McDonald's on the way back no we didn't was, we definitely didn't really... <laughs> we definitely didn't I stop thought, at McDonald's yeah, you're, you're throwing didn't. me under the bus here. According, according to <laughs> According to Greg, we stopped at the health food You're shop. throwing me right that, under yeah. the bus here. No, we absolutely, <laughs> we absolutely did stop there. And um, do you remember? I remember uh, you said you all got a meal, and I remember saying, "No, nah, it's fine. I'll just get the salad." And I knew on that menu there's a vegan burger. And even you said, "I swear there's like a vegetarian burger." You were trying to like get me to eat something because like you were just being like a nice person and like a good friend. You're like, "Yeah, no, you can get the chips." And I was like. No, I think the chips are cooked in the same like deep fryer. <laughs> you tricked me, yeah. You know, you absolutely tricked me. You, yeah. you, had, you had an and answer you for everything, yeah. and and I think and that's that you something, would do, yeah. Yeah, that's something that you know. I, it took me longer than it should have to realise that there was something going on. 
in terms of your 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 health you know because as i said earlier you would you would rock up to train him with this great what would be perceived as a great attitude and a great you know motivation to go Uh and train 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 and you know it took me too long to realize and i was i was seeing you on a fairly regular basis at least what two or three times a week for a couple of months and um, it took me far too long to realize and i remember when i did realize was it was kind of i had noticed that when we'd go to eat lunch as a team you were starting to forget to bring your own lunch and then mm-hmm. you wouldn't because of the food that was on offer at the venue you'd be like mm, i can't really i can't really eat that because i'm a vegan and yeah. i was like i was like that's fair enough you know I'm, you can't exactly force force anything on you yeah. because that's you know that's just you know that's your, that's your life choice yeah. and then when you would bring your lunch or things like that i started to notice that you would just kind of push it around a little bit yeah i wouldn't finish it wouldn't my mum used to make it, me yeah. pasta and i used to pick out all the veg that she would do and then i used to say to you guys i'm going to the toilet this is every single like every single day and it's going to sound so messed up but if my parents like listen to this they're gonna probably like be really upset i think my mum probably knows anyway but and i used to go to the toilet with my meal and i used to put half of it down the bin mm-hmm. i never i've never made myself sick but i used to like chuck all of it in the bin and then I used to put it back in my bag and then I was come home and I was like oh you've eaten all this food it's weird that you're that you're losing weight obviously she knew that I hadn't eaten so like she's not stupid but she was just she was just too like scared of what I was gonna say if she brought it up but yeah I think you were definitely one of the like first people to actually like ask me like are you okay like like you you've lost a bit of weight like are you all right but mm, I remember training but, one day and I yeah. could just see like your collarbone coming out of your t-shirt uh-huh. and I was like I, I shouldn't be seeing that you know what I mean like you it looked yeah. like you were just like popping out like this and I was like wow that's I was like I maybe need to say something here um uh-huh. and I, I it was like mid-exercise or whatever I just I was like are you all right and you were like not really and 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 you were so open and honest and I was like oh, yeah. I should have asked so yeah. much longer ago you know I should have uh-huh. asked earlier when I first thought maybe but then as you said you, you were so good at hiding it you know as I said you look yeah. on social media you talk to you you're a happy smiley person you, uh-huh. uh, you you know you you found let's say a coping mechanism of getting rid of your food you found a way to hide what you didn't want people to see you know so you didn't want to see yeah. you know you're not going to rock up to the bin in the middle of the cafeteria and put that in there you you know you, yeah, are, you exactly. excused yourself you'd make a way of as you said, we were in the car, and you would you would find a way to convince me that you you were eating and you were doing something, and then so it's just something mm-hmm. that it must have taken so much strength to actually address the issue. Because if you look on, as I said, your social media and stuff now, you, you openly talk about it and you openly address it. Um, mm-hmm. And what what I love that you're saying is that actually that doesn't mean that you're okay now. It just shows that you're yeah, trying to you're trying to make more of a voice for yourself, yeah. in the hope that one day if you keep making more of a voice for yourself, that's the only one that you'll hear, you know. And the fact that, mm-hmm. as you said, you've relapsed like three times, um, mm-hmm. I think that's amazing because it shows that, you know, obviously it's not amazing that you've relapsed, but it's it's amazing that you find that strength yeah. to try it again, you know. And the fact that yeah. you're you're then holding your hands up and saying, actually, you know what, I've I've failed at my ultimate goal here to you know to get completely better. But I'm going to try again, uh-huh. and I'm going to try again, and that resilience yeah. is, that resilience is just fantastic, yeah. you know. So, what what does it feel like 
when when someone a friend or a family actually finds finds the courage to reach out to you and ask are you all right how are you doing like mm -hmm. that must that must give you some real yeah. confidence yeah it did like from people like you or like I remember Will as well like we were halfway during an exercise and I just remember saying to him I'm absolutely freezing and he was like in footwork but again that's like when you're in the weight you're just cold all the time so like that was another thing and he was like right are you okay because I think he must have struggled a little bit with some not an eating disorder but I remember just him saying like oh we've all got our demons and stuff so kind of had a chat with me about that that was nice but my family they like I felt that's why I think I managed to hide it from so long that's why I would stay I would stay away from like for so long like if I could stay at Sheffield for the whole week without going back I would do and then on weekends I would go up to Grantham if I could because I felt so embarrassed about the fact that I wasn't okay because my sister was so ill she was struggling and I was the first person which I like I hold my hands up to now like when she was really ill said like she just needs to get a grip like it's just in her head because I didn't understand what mental like illness was and I think that's what happened to a lot of people and I just said she just needs to eat like she's just using it as a like a lot of people think you're using it for attention I used to think oh she's just doing it because like, I play table tennis and you and dad like put more time towards me like I don't like yeah I don't get it I don't get why she's doing it she just needs to get better get a grip of herself and then when it happened to me like I just thought I can't tell anybody because I'm not, and I don't want people to to worry about me because I felt like such a burden and I was in such a bad place where I honestly just I just thought I can't I can't tell my mum and my dad that I'm not okay because that means I'll have they'll have two daughters that they need to worry about I'm supposed to be the the stronger one in the family that kind of brings every like brings everyone happiness that has kind of got their like knows what they're going to do with their life like I've got I'm so lucky I get to travel the world um so it was really really difficult and I remember I remember just um it was when Greg rang rang my mum and said Megan's not okay and then I remember ringing my mum my mum ringing me after and she just went it's happened to you hasn't it and I just remember breaking down and just saying like just apologizing I was at the train station at Sheffield I think actually you just dropped me off you or Ash, because you 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 would both like drop me off. It might have been place. I'm not too sure. But um, and I remember just breaking down, and I missed my train because I was too busy crying. So I had to wait another hour, and I was just apologising and said, "I'm so sorry. I've let you down. Like I just feel like such a burden." And that was the first time where I'd had like suicidal thoughts as well because I just thought I'm going to cause too much pain for my parents because they've seen what my sister put them through. And it's like caring. It is you. You you essentially become a carer for that person. And I just thought I can't, I can't put them through that. And I'm not strong enough to get better myself. I was in such a bad place. I just thought I'm like, there's no point. I can't see a way out of it. There's literally no point. So I just decided to, to just, yeah. I told my mum, and then she essentially told um, I think she must have told like my auntie or something and then my auntie sent me a text and was like oh I hope you're okay and I was just really embarrassed but then after a, after a while I thought like I should really be embarrassed that they're like worrying about me it's, it means they're caring that they love me so um yeah after that after 
I just had to swallow my pride basically and just think, yeah, it's it's not it's not where I want to be, but it's happened and I have to accept it now. And it doesn't define me. It's just something that's part of me and that I have to deal with. But I refuse to be defined by like this illness. And I think that's what kind of gave me the drive to like recover as well, or like to try and recover like I I have done like in the past and like now I'm trying to get better and yeah so you kind of have to swallow your pride and just accept help really I think and and for for you know girls and or guys or whoever it is that's out there um struggling with mental health or or an eating disorder how do you have any insight on like how, how do they go about finding that health you know it's great that we can have this conversation but ultimately, I guess it's a pointless conversation if we don't provide that value to someone. Yeah, so how do they how do they get that help? Um. So, the, I remember the first time I went into recovery, I was I was underweight for my for me. I knew I wasn't underweight, but for a BMI chart, I was still in the healthy weight range. This is why recovery in anorexia is so difficult unless you are literally on the verge of dying because. Um, they take it kind of off BMI. So I remember going to an eating disorder clinic and I said to them, like, told them everything that was wrong with me. And they didn't diagnose me with anorexia because I wasn't at low enough weight the first time, which when you're anorexic makes your brain think, right, what are we going to do then? We're going to starve up. We're going to get even iller so that, so that I can ask for help because I'm obviously not ill enough. So it kind of fuels it more than anything so I do know that eating disorder clinics are great like the like my sister tried it it didn't work for her but I know a lot of people um who have been to like clinics and it's really helped and there's a lot of clinics in the NHS that you can reach out to but again I think anybody with an eating disorder sort of knows that they have that they have it they know that something's wrong like or someone will tell them that something's wrong. Um, YouTube videos help a lot. Um, I've I watched. There's this woman called Tabitha Farrar, and she's amazing. She recovered from anorexia. She had anorexia for about 30 years, and um, she just does loads of like really cool videos on like like what you need to do in recovery. Um, there's just yeah, YouTube helped a lot, and it helped my sister a lot, and you kind of it's really nice because you can form a community um with loads of different people that have the same disorder like mental health issues as you but you're not it makes you think that you're not alone and you're not completely crazy that other people are struggling with this and other people are getting better and other people are struggling and other people are crying over the fact that they have to eat that they're going to have bread for their dinner as well and that you're not just stupid like really stupid things like that but uh, it's that was really helpful um and then yeah you can there's you can be like sectioned when you're very 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 ill you can get um put into I don't really know what it's called it's like a a little I don't really know it's like a kind of a home for like anorexics and people with mental health problems and they're they're there for I think months until they put on enough weight and then they're on a food plan but they cost a lot of money that I remember um it wasn't so long ago actually I um I rang 
because I said to them, like, I'm not okay, I've relapsed again, I've lost a lot of weight. And they said, right, um, financially, how can you, how much can you afford me thinking it would just be like the appointment? And I said, well, my parents, I know, would help me as much as they could. And then they gave me the invoice and it was 16 grand for um, two weeks. Wow. So it just makes you think that they're trying to get money from yeah. from it. So, but you can like, I would honestly say YouTube videos are probably the best thing that helped me because they just give you such a, a good insight on how to start recovery. Like you can start recovery on your own. You can do your own meal plan if you're ready, if you're you're brave enough to to make that decision and you you let go. You'll only recover from an eating disorder if you are if you're willing to let go of of the way that you look, that you're going to gain weight, that you're going to feel uncomfortable, that you're going to cry a lot over things that you don't want to eat, that people are going to look at you and make comments and you have to let go of this image that you have of yourself and like essentially not care. But there's so many different ways to do it. So I know the first time that I entered recovery, like two years ago, my inner disorder wasn't, it hadn't been going on for that long so I still had like kind of had hunger cues but I was just able to kind of dismiss them so every time I get hungry I'll just eat and then that would trigger like extreme hunger which is what happens when your body starves you just literally go like to town I would be eating sometimes a day about honestly about 7,000 calories like no exercise nothing that's just what my body needed to refuel but then like the more recent time so let's say this time I knew that I couldn't just listen to my body and just listen to my hunger cues because they'd gone like, because my body started to shut down, it um, slowed its metabolism down. So I would never feel hungry, but I would never feel satisfied. So like for about a year and a half now, I've never physically got that feeling in my belly that I'm hungry. It's come through me either getting dizzy or me getting headache or you just like thinking of food so I did my own meal plan and it's it's working like yeah it's this for me is working now I don't know if it's going to keep working but that's okay as long as I'm trying everything I can to recover and like when it when I find that it's not working that, I've, that I'm struggling a bit more then I'll try something else and yeah there's so many different ways to do it really but I think just get help and just speak to someone about it anybody anybody that like cares about you or even who you don't think cares they'll know that it's I think it's it's something that people are starting to confirm with and realize that anorexia is quite severe and eating disorder is like is dangerous so if you're struggling with food or it can be like the slightest thing just like speak to someone because it's it's just so important because it can escalate so fast and you can get yourself in such a dark place so quickly um, that it's it's definitely worth it. Like even if you're having like bad body image like days and you think that you need to restrict on food in order to, to like combat that, that's disorder, that's not right. Like you need to talk to someone about that. It's really important. I think especially for anybody, but especially an athlete who's exercising on top of that, it's really important to reach out and to get help yeah i love i love that you've really stressed that in the last few sort of minutes there is that, that you need to talk to someone and you know the, the sooner you do that the better and obviously i mean you'll know from experience that's not always 
the easiest of things to do, but actually doing it can can change your life for, in such a better way. Just at least like keep is that people need to get help because from that help, then they'll be able to they'll they'll like they'll I don't know people will offer them different ways on how they can get help, but the first step is admitting that you've got a problem. It is the hardest thing to do because you're essentially giving in to your best friend and well not your best friend but you're eating the sort of best friend and it when you do it you feel like the smallest person in the world and you feel like you've failed at everything it's awful but it is so important to just swallow your pride and just think if I don't get help now it's gonna it is it will kill me like I don't know how long it will take but it will kill me or you'll end up like so many people end up committing suicide from anorexia you just can't cope anymore you just get to a point where you just think I'm in this like little bubble where there's literally no point anymore it's it's not you're not living so yeah mm, I think that's such a great powerful message um that I reckon we should actually probably end on that because it's such a great great you know mm-hmm. way to, to to wrap it up but before before we do say our goodbyes um as, as you've both said loads throughout this you are a vegan and I want to know: Do you, do you go for like? I know that you you're you're very much plant based. Um, do you ever go for like a vegan? I know you, I see them in the shops now. It's like a vegan sausage. Do you ever go for a vegan alternative, oh, yeah. or do, or do you just yeah, like? Yeah. No, I'm 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 a proper vegan. I'm gonna I'm not even gonna mm-hmm. touch that. Well, I like I do prefer eating like like in general. Why the reason I stopped eating meat because I generally didn't like it. So, but like that was something that I was scared for with my erection for so long was like going for like, you know, those like beyond burgers, like things like that. But yeah, like if I want a burger, I'm not going to fill it with like a bean patty. I'm going to go for like a big juicy, like vegan steak. And Mm. yeah, it's nice. Like you need to enjoy yourself. There's so much vegan like food now that's like junk food and you can literally replace anything. So I think, yeah, like my diet is 80% pretty clean and, good but like i'll happily eat a packet of veggie sausages or things like that and mm. yeah they taste nice so why not well <laughs> you say that you yeah. say they taste nice i'm gonna put that to the test because i was at a little bakery earlier um picking up a few things and i noticed on the menu they had a vegan banana rum loaf right so here oh. it is here i've got it here i've got it here this is the first ever vegan look at the size of that banana in there this is the first, oh my gosh. first vegan product <laughs> I've ever bought. Wait, um, where did you get it from? Uh, a little cafe in Glasgow. Oh, um, okay, you'll love it. So, well, you say that. Um, it, I mean, it, it looks it's got it, it looks all right. It looks tasty. So this is I the bet, first, first vegan product. Up. First vegan product I've ever bought. Um, so let's let's give it a go. Eleven out of ten in it. I tell you what, I'm talking about mouthful, but that is very tasty. It's nice. <laughs> that, isn't is, it? that is very tasty. You can't taste the difference, no. can you? With Bana- like cakes and stuff. Banana rum loaf. I would never know that that is a that is a vegan loaf. That Ooh. is. I tell you what, I can't wait till we hang up and I'm gonna dive right into it. Yeah. That, that is. I'm tasty. gonna say next time we go to Glasgow, you send me along because that looks. Really yeah. nice. I'm kind of getting a bit of food envy now. So. <laughs> no, that that is pretty tasty. So I'm glad. 
I'm not going to say that I'm converted, but I'm glad I know there's options out there where it can be. Yeah. It can certainly be tasty. So um, brilliant. Yeah. That concludes another episode of Peripod. Thank you for listening, and of course, thank you to Megan for sharing her wonderful story. It really is a powerful message. And if you or anyone you know needs any help or just someone to chat to, you can reach out to Samaritans, and it's a free call by dialing one one six one two three. You can also ask for help at beateatingdisorder.org.uk. You can give them a call on 0808 801 or you can email them at help at beateatingdisorders.org.uk. Thanks for listening again to another episode of Peripod, and I hope you tune in next time.